Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. Okay, well, um, if you have come to Spirit Rock before, or if you know um, even a little about the teachings of the Buddha, uh, you probably are familiar with the, the Four Noble Truths. The first noble truth, which it said that it said that every time the Buddha gave a, a talk for the 45 years of his teaching, he was talking about the Four Noble Truths. So if you say, oh, I've heard this before, um, just... Uh, Keep in mind that the deeper you understand it, um, the the deeper your wisdom and uh, open heart becomes. I'll just touch a bit briefly and then explore with us together uh, about the profundity of understanding these truths. The first noble truth is there is suffering in life. He doesn't say all of life is suffering, but he starts out this teaching, there's suffering in life. And sometimes when people hear that, they say, gosh, what a depressing way to start a teaching. (laughs) And others say, thank goodness somebody is telling it like it is. He doesn't say this to be morbid or morose. He says, actually, that if you understand suffering, if you truly understand and come to terms with it and not run away from it, not avoid it, not pretend, but if you truly let it touch you deeply, that you will come to the end of suffering. So... The first noble truth, there's suffering in life. The second, there is a cause of our suffering, which is attachment to things being a certain way or different than they, than they are. There is an end to suffering, the liberated mind and heart, the sure heart's release and that there's a path leading to the end of suffering. His prescription for bringing one's life into balance and harmony so that we can see, penetrate through the the fears and the confusions and the contractions and the stories that we have running in our mind to penetrate through and come to this end of suffering. So... Paradoxically, the more one is in touch and can integrate suffering in one's life, the greater the possibility for experiencing what he called the highest happiness. But you can't go around that. You can't say, oh, give me the happiness. I'll take that. You know, do I really have to get to the suffering? Yeah, that's, he starts out the teaching this way. And it, it, it's based on one fact of reality, and that is 
everything changes. No matter how good things are, they change. No matter how healthy we are, the vitality and the vibrancy of our youth, even in youth, things can change in a moment. The other side of the coin is no matter how difficult things are, there's a possibility of changing. If not our physical experience, our mental experience in relationship to what's going on. Not only does he say to realize that there is suffering in life, he gives what are called five daily reflections. Five reflections that he suggests one should contemplate every day. The first of these, I will grow old. This I am not beyond aging. Second, I will become sick. I am not beyond sickness. The third, I will die. I am not beyond death. The fourth, everything near and dear to me will become separated from me. And then the fifth is I am the owner of my karma, my actions, my happiness or unhappiness depends on my actions and my relationship to experience. I'll just include uh, not, not what I wish for, that my actions have consequences. He says, think about this every day. He doesn't say, think about it continuously. There's other things to, to think about, of course. You know. <laughs> that would be a bit morbid. But he says, think about this every day. So you, not to, to depress yourself, but to inoculate yourself to the truth. So that when things do change, or when we lose a loved one, or when we become ill, or when death greets us or others, we're not scratching our heads saying, what, where did it go wrong? What did I do wrong? What happened here? No, this is, this is the deal. This is part of the deal anyway. And the more you can open up and embrace this, the fuller your life is. One, because you appreciate how sweet when things are going well, how fortunate, how blessed how grateful we can be for all the goodness and the blessings and the beauty in our life. And two, when things aren't going so well, we see this is part of life. It's not about getting to one fantastic, magical destination and say, I made it, you know, like uh, the, the board game of life. It's not like you get to this place and where all is always happy at least externally. The Buddha said, you want to get to this place where 
it's possible for there to be a lasting happiness and peace internally. But if you're looking at the conditions of your life, yes, hello, there's a message, be here now. (laughs) If you're looking at, at the conditions of your life to come to some kind of peak, wonderful, ultimate sweetness, um, you're setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment. That life is continually transforming and there's ups and there's downs and it's about being here for the ride. So when there's ups, you're really taking it in and when there's downs, you're not running away but you see, okay, what is there to be learned in this aspect of my experience? Then every moment counts. He's talking about making every moment count. And part of this is the understanding, as my teacher Joseph Goldstein says, very simple but very profound reflection. It's another way of saying the five reflections. Anything can happen at any time. Anything can happen at any time. We might think, oh, it's so, it's so sad what ha- what's happened to my friend so-and-so, or you read about something in the paper, you know, oh, it's so sad, I'm so sorry. But we generally don't go around thinking anything can happen at any time to me. Now, you don't want to scare yourself with that. But you want to, but when you realize that and really realize that every moment that there's, that things are okay is a moment not to be taken for granted. It's an incredible blessing. Um, Then that wakes us up. You know, all of the Buddha's teachings are to wake us up to life. And this wakes us up to life when we truly see anything can happen at any time. And and there's a lot of people in this room who can attest going through life, oh yeah, life is cool. And then all of a sudden, oh, how did that happen? Oh my goodness. To me? To me? Wait a second, it's not supposed to happen to me. Anything can happen at any time. Now, the interesting thing about suffering is that it's not only something to be dealt with or come to terms with, but that it can be a springboard, a deep launching for happiness as As I said before, understanding suffering can lead to the end of suffering. There's one particular teaching that I love, that I I love to share and uh, uh, want you to reflect on. Uh, A kind of esoteric, the, the the, uh, the title is esoteric. You can Google it and read an incredible uh, treatise on it. Uh, you can also impress your friends with uh, with it. The, the teaching called transcendental dependent arising. Okay, 
That's a mouthful. And the way this teaching starts, it's one of the many, many lists in Buddhist teachings. This is a very interesting list. It starts out, suffering can be the causative factor for faith to arise. Faith can be the causative factor for gladness to arise. Gladness can be a causative factor for joy to arise. Joy can lead to happiness, to contentment, to equanimity, all the way up to the highest stages of freedom and liberation. But it starts with suffering. Suffering can be the causative factor for faith and gladness, etc. Let me ask you, how many people here have been motivated in their spiritual journey out of looking for answers to the suffering in their life? Look around. So you say, how could it be that suffering leads to faith, leads to... Look at all of those hands, and I can raise mine in there as well. Suffering shakes us out of our complacency. Suffering makes us see or want to see what is going on here. How can I make sense of this? How can I, how can I open up my perspective from the the sleepwalking uh, insular reality I was I was traveling in to see? Oh my goodness, what does this mean? And this is what motivates many of us to look for answers. If we're fortunate enough to find a body of teachings that can address how to work with suffering and the possibilities in it, then um, it can lead to great faith. And I can certainly attest to that. I, I came, I was looking for some answers out of my own suffering when I first got in touch with these teachings. I just, I was very um, insecure. I was very uh, self-judging. Uh, I didn't have much external suffering, but there was a lot of internal suffering and I wanted to find some answers. And so sometimes if you are, if you're going through a lot of suffering, sometimes people say, oh, you know, I'm just too much of a mess to, you know, to, to benefit from any of these teachings. I can tell you, not just for myself, but for many people, the, those who are going through the most challenging times are often the most motivated to look for the answers. So don't pre-qualify the possibilities because that motivation can be your greatest uh, ally in your practice. The Buddha was motivated out of suffering. He lived an idyllic life and then he saw, oh, no way out of old age, sickness and death. I've got to find an answer how to make sense of these uh, heavenly messengers, old age, sickness, and death. And then, of course, you can see uh, examples all around of people who've gone through tremendous suffering who are shining lights. The, the ones that particularly inspire me, two people 
when I think of who really un, who really understand suffering and embody this infectious joy I, I write about in, in the book Awakening Joy. The Dalai Lama, he'd probably be on most people's list, and uh, Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who both of those have seen more suffering probably than we could imagine. One after another, hearing um, accounts of torture and, uh, and and tremendous pain and sorrow, and yet they both have this amazing infectious joy. Just you know, it's you want to hang out around the Dalai Lama because it just kind of the vibes get transmitted. How is that possible? I've seen I've seen the Dalai Lama weep, f- hearing the pain or the sorrow of of someone, and then just a few minutes later be laughing and giggling. How is that possible? Because the suffering that he hears or is dealing with doesn't stick. It doesn't contract him and say, "Oh, this is terrible. How can we? We'll never get through this." It just moves. He feels it deeply and it moves right through and then there's room for joy as well. And he's not blocking anything off. So this is our our task to open up to the hard stuff, not block it off. Let us let ourselves be touched by it deeply and and learn how to allow it to move through and deepen us and be transformed into compassion and love. Let me ask, I, I think I want to just for um, a little while ask you to reflect in your own life. You can just close your eyes for a moment. Okay? As can explore this transcendental dependent arising. Just looking back at a challenging situation or issue or maybe a challenging period in your life. And see if you can get in touch with what lessons you might have learned and how did going through that difficulty help you grow? You might be going through something right now and maybe it's not so apparent just yet, but maybe look back on your life and see how did going through hard times help you grow? What gifts or blessings were in there? Okay, I think what I'd like you to do, like us to do, is uh, just for... Uh, a few minutes, I'd like you to um, turn to uh, a neighbor 
and each share don't have to get into you know the anything that you don't want to it can you, you don't have to get into the details if it doesn't feel uh, appropriate but to get in touch with the lessons that you might have learned and if nothing came to your mind then that's okay you're just uh, you know just be right where you are and just uh, say what's so for you but this is good to first see that you have learned through your own suffering or and you can also witness uh, others the same so we'll, we'll take about oh maybe five minutes or so I'll let you know when it's about halfway and uh, you can each uh, just connect with somebody that way. Okay, and if you need a partner, uh, you can hold up your hand. It could even be three if if, if you want. But uh, if there's two, that would be that would make it easier on the time. Okay, ready? Go. It's very very much like what what this man was saying about my friend Nancy Coughlin, who um, lost her daughter uh, when she was 14. Uh, her daughter took her life. The the one of the worst things that a parent could imagine, and she that I could imagine anything happen to a parent like that. And she came to a retreat uh, just uh, shortly uh, after, no, uh, within the year that it happened, just hanging on for dear life. You know how how could she go on? And, but she had this incredible intention uh, to make sense of this. It took her about oh three or four years of just going through all her guilt, rage, railing against life, just processing all these deep feelings of, of pain. But she was committed to doing it. And every year she come back. Every and every February she, we still do. Every February uh, she comes, whether or not she's on the February retreat. And we ring the bell in the meadow right over here, 108 times, and honor uh, honor her daughter Julia. But what happened after about four or five years was um, she kind of woke up from her pain and her sorrow, and she realized the most. Um, the best way she could honor her was to um, give back, to make some sense of this and give back. And she started volunteering at uh, the um, uh, grief center where she was so supported with parents who've lost their children. And she became this incredible and is this incredible being of light. You just are around her and you feel her glow. Um, She's truly inspiring. Every time when she comes out here in February, the tears flow. It's not that, oh, that's over. It's still, it's part of her. But she has transformed her suffering into uh, uh, something beautiful. And she wrote me this, this letter about five years into this process. She says, I've I've received a gift that is beyond words. I've witnessed my deepest despair, the darkest, most wounded quarters of my heart, and learned not to flinch or back away. I rested in love and even tasted joy, 
all the while still knowing the sorrow of my loss. A few days ago, I held a bereaved mother in my arms as she sobbed. She'd lost her son to suicide. I held her to my heart as she held on for dear life. And as I rocked her, it was as if I was rocking Julia, rocking myself, rocking the broken hearts of all beings. In that rocking, in that holding, we were all held in one heart. I've been so blessed. So what suffering does is besides shaking us out of our complacency, it deepens us, it touches us, it it breaks open the heart and it connects us with the universal experience that we all in our in our own ways have to go through. As it said, suffering can lead to compassion. It often does. When the heart breaks open and we become, there's no way that we can protect ourselves and the armoring is gone. There's a tenderness, a tenderizing that can happen, that does happen if we allow it to transform us that way. And it also, another gift, there are many gifts in, in, in the hard times, but I'll just mention these two. It deepens us, it can transform into compassion, and it also helps us connect with our inner resources, with a courage that we didn't realize we had, with a strength we didn't know we had, with a resilience, with a love that we didn't know was there, with a commitment to truth that we didn't know was there. That through going through our trials, we can get in touch with the amazing noble qualities inside. I'll just read one more, a beautiful poem that is was written by Rashani, who, if you go, if you uh, go to the um, uh, dining room, it's in right here at Spirit Rock. There's a big painting of all the uh, earlier donors that helped make Spirit Rock, and uh, it's it's beautifully done, calligraphed, and and all. And Rashani did that uh, painting, so this is a, a beautiful poem that she wrote. Uh, about this topic of what's inside along with the suffering. This is called The Unbroken. There is a brokenness out of which comes the unbroken, a shatteredness out of which blooms the unshatterable. There is a sorrow beyond all grief which leads to joy and a fragility out of whose depths emerges strength. There is a hollow space too vast for words through which we pass with each loss out of whose darkness we are sanctioned into being. There is a cry 
deeper than all sound, whose serrated edges cut the heart as we break open to the place inside that is unbreakable and whole while learning to sing. So this is what we're called on to do. And as part of the process where we can see that we have some input, where we can see we can, we can practice is how we relate to our difficulties, our challenges. Yeah, hard things happen to all of us and it can either embitter us, make us more frightened, make us more confused, or it can open us up to, as Roshani was saying, the place that's unbreakable and whole. The teaching that the Buddha gives on seeing how we create our suffering, how we compound our suffering is a very important one. Perhaps you're familiar with it. This is the teaching of uh, the two darts. How many people are familiar with the two darts? Okay, good. So he says, okay, bad things happen. He doesn't quite say it like that, but that's that's the <laughs> essence, right? Bad things happen to good people, bad people, no matter. Bad things happen, okay? That's part of life. We stub our toe or we get a diagnosis or we f- hear some news about somebody that, that we love and um, we say, ouch! Or we say, oh my goodness. This is what he called... Uh, the first dart. He says, if somebody shoots a dart or an arrow at you, it hurts, you know, I would imagine. If they throw a second dart on top of the first, then it hurts exponentially because you're so, you're weakened already and then that second hit. The second dart that we create for ourselves on top of the first one, as you hear the news or something uh, that that you're experiencing happens, is then your reaction on top of that that says, why me? Or I can't handle this. Or this is too scary and... I'm going to, you know, and and we live our life in fear. Our mental reaction on top of the initial stimulus, this is where we compound our suffering. Like this this phrase uh, goes that I'm sure most of you know, or many of you know, pain is inevitable. Suffering is is optional. And the pain is the first start. Okay, things happen to our body, to our minds, to our in our circumstances. The suffering that the Buddha was talking about in the second noble truth is the second dart that says why me? Why is 
this shouldn't be happening to me, or I can't handle this, or we close up in bitterness or fear or confusion. So how do you hold your suffering? That's the key. When we're under stress or when we're confused, the thoughts that come out are negative thoughts that add that second dart. When we have some clarity, when we have some spaciousness, then we can see with a different perspective and have all of those gifts. So it's not what has happened to us or what's happening to us that is the key. It's how we relate to what's happening to us. So I want to just ask you once again to just reflect for for a moment and go inside and think of in your wisest moments we're not talking about the times that you're stressed out and confused and embittered in your wisest moments in your maybe that what you just reflected on a few moments ago in your wisest ro- moments how do you deal with suffering in a way that doesn't add that second dart but that can hold it in a different perspective Because the wisdom is right inside of you if you let it be heard. You might remember a time where that wisdom came through and uh, rejoice in it. Just get in touch with how you deal with it when things are hard. Your wisest moments. Okay, um, so just to, to finish this, this piece, I just want to hear a little bit, and we'll be talking as we, as we go through the day, and I'll, I'll be sharing some stuff in the afternoon as well, uh, more, more specifically, and I'll, I'll share some things that seem to be helpful for, for me, but I want to hear from you. There's all the way in the back, in the back right where you're going, there's lots of wisdom in this room. Just here. And put it right next to your lips. Oh, is it on? <laughs>